Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast, where we help you make disciples in our increasingly post-Christian world. My name is Eric Bryant. I'm one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, Texas, along with the founder of Catalyzing Community. You can go to ericbryant.org to sign up for my email newsletter to receive free resources. Well, I'm excited today to have with me Felipe Santos. How are you doing, Felipe? Hey, doing well, Eric. So good to see you, man. It's good to see you. It's been a while. We had barbecue here in Austin a few years back. I'm yeah. trying to remember when I first met you. It may have been when I spoke at your church years ago. Uh, you're in San Jose. You're the new senior pastor. You've been part of the church for since the beginning, if I remember right. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It's been 15 years now that our families all moved out here together to start the church. And, so and when you came out, we were called South Bay Church back that's in the right. day. That's right. That's right. Church a few years ago. That's exactly right. And another big transition was Andy Wood went from there to Saddleback. What has it been like for you? Because you were more like the executive pastor to become mm-hmm. the senior pastor. What's your experience been like? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Um I never had ambition to be a lead pastor, to be honest. Like I had a lot of, uh, I was very comfortable in the second chair, really enjoyed it. Got a lot of like my identity from that, like being the guy that makes things happen. And, you know, there's a visionary and there's a person that puts legs on the vision. And I loved that, that all of that. And then when this whole thing came about with uh, Rick Warren inviting Andy to come out there and, you know, turn our world kind of upside down. I just had this started getting this sense in me, like I was supposed to step into the role. It was really strange. We wrestled with it for wow. a while, but it came a point where I felt a very clear word from God. And then, you know, through the discernment with our boards and all that stuff, um, moved into that role. So the transition was tough for a couple months because of the this, you know, the the Rick Warren name and all that stuff, it brings everything to the surface. And so we went through like two months of hell uh, mm. at Echo, um, with just people trying to, you know, they people just giving their opinions on everything you've ever done in your life. Um, right. But the ch- on the church side has been great. I mean, it's been Good. a great year for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad. Before we move away from succession, what advice would you give other pastors, whether they're in your spot, they're the one stepping into the place where the founding pastor is leaving, or or even just for helping the church through the, the transition? What are some takeaways you learned in that process that you'd recommend? Yeah, you know, every transition is so different, right? Like I, I yesterday I met with a pastor in Michigan who came into a mega church but he he was not there before coming in right so he's he was a he take he took the lead role after the founding pastor had left um and but he came in like cold turkey didn't have relationships there so my situation is unique because of that i had been i was a founding pastor of the church but from the executive chair right and so um in light of that the, you know, the approach we took had a lot to do with the relationships I already had, you know, so um, there were a lot of things that were beneficial because of that. So the church already knew me, the staff already knew me, I had already more authority with the congregation. So we leveraged a lot of that for mm. 
um, the transition period. Yeah. Um, I, I think some of the best advice I got were people that told me, you know, I, I just know you always have to honor the past, but not be scared to change the future. Mm. I think that was a huge deal for me is like, I, I love Andy. He's one of my best friends, just hung out with him this weekend uh, in SoCal. Um, but I also know if God called me to lead this church, it's because there's something I have that the church needs. Does that make sense? That it, it didn't have before. And same for Andy going to Saddleback. If God called him to be there, there's something that he has to offer to Saddleback that Rick Warren couldn't. And mm -hmm. so I had to embrace that part of me, um, even in light of the fact that I'm I'm not the typical wired person for a lead role. I'm a two in the Enneagram. I am a developer. I'm not the big visionary that most people picture lead pastors to be. And so I had to reconstruct the team around my gift, which mm -hmm. was a huge you know, super cool endeavor with some mentors to do um, and, and know that the team needs to be, you know, complement my gift, not his gift. And so um, all of that was really fun and challenging, uh, but liberating also to experience, to know, man, I've got, God placed me here. There's something I have that this community needs to move to, into the future. And just embracing that was been one of the greatest gifts um, in mm. the journey. I think that's such a good word. And mm -hmm. I I wonder, you know, shifting to the ministry there at Echo, you guys have had 15 years in a very difficult place to to plant. I mean, San yeah. Jose is not the Bible Belt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Talk talk about some of the challenges, maybe even post-COVID and some of the opportunities of reaching yeah. out to your post-Christian city. Yeah, you know, Bay Area, uh, Barna came out with that study a couple of years ago. It is still the most unchurched and the most de-churched metropolitan area in the country. So least amount of people in church and the most amount of people that used to attend church but left. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the challenges are pretty big. I remember when I moved here. Uh, going to meet our neighbors and one of the neighbors uh, we did a cookout in the in a community courtyard and one of the neighbors came up to me and Asian background and she said to me what do you do and I said I'm I'm a, I'm a pastor she says what is a pastor <laughs> and I like I'm not in the Bible Belt anymore no. um, the reality you know going to Bank of America opening a bank account for the church and them saying oh I've never done a bank account for a church let me go ask my manager and I'm like wow what is this? And so that it's just different. You know, when we were in the South doing ministry, uh, a lot of the challenges there are related to helping people know that religion doesn't save them, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to like de-church de them so that they can really find Jesus. Over here, the starting point is more zero. They, they just don't have a paradigm. They don't know much about Jesus or they they know, but through their other religious background as Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists, which is a very distorted Jesus. Um, and so it, it's just, a, it's a, the starting point is different, which is all refreshing and challenging. Because you don't have the religiosity of Christianity, but that to fight against, but you also have a no paradigm of faith to start with for people. Mm. So when you preach, you can't just assume people see the Bible as authoritative. So you have to preach differently when you lead worship. You know, one of our worship pastors that came from the South his first Sunday. He brought in a song that was a that lion and the lamb song, and the person in the lobby came out to him and was like, "Sorry, I know you're like the concert mo music person, but what? Why do you guys sing to lions and lambs?" <laughs> and like, <laughs> paradigm shift, like, "Oh, I have to select songs differently here in the yeah. Bay Area." Yeah, but it's stuff like that. It just changes, but it is refreshing, and God moves, you know, mighty ways uh, still in places like this.
That's right. I'd love to hear some of those stories of ways that God is moving. What are some ways you've seen some of those neighbors coming to faith? Yeah. Um, you know, one of one of the the freshest stories for me, um, I, I got a, a, a lift ride from from somebody recently who uh, in like a 30 minute airport ride from the airport to my house, I could tell this guy was like, he picked me up with a truck that was dirty. It was really strange on lift. I'm like, and then he's like, hey, I just got to be honest with you. I've been sleeping in my truck. And I'm oh like, my goodness. no, man. Uh, and then he wow. opened up by the time we got home, he was crying and he's, he's Greek. Um, mm. and he, he said, I, I just kind of, I'm, I'm in a really low spot. And so I, I, I said, Hey, why don't you come out to, to just check out the church, you know? And mm. so he said, I don't know, man, I, I did the Orthodox thing in Greece when I was there. I don't believe in that. And, but he was so low, he came. And I remember I was actually traveling when he came first and attended, uh, for one month, I was on a month out last summer, and then, but you know, he started attend every week, mm. uh, and I came back that summer. And one one day, I'm in the lobby. He like after about two months of him attending, and he comes. I, I wasn't preaching that day. I was just hanging out in the lobby with guests, and he comes out. And he's fully wet. And I'm like, what? What happened? He said, Felipe, I was in the service today, and they did a, a, it was baptism Sunday. And you were talking about Jesus. I'm like, I, I need Jesus. And I decided to get baptized spontaneously. He went fully clothed in the pool. <laughs> That's great. He got baptized, gave his life to Jesus. And he's been in my small group now. He's still super rough around the edges, obviously. And yeah. uh, he came out to my alpha group this week. Uh, or last week, he came out to alpha. He goes, Felipe, I hope you don't mind, man. I uh, I was a little nervous about about. I mean, you know, the whole this whole thing is so new to me. So I smoked some weed before a group today. <laughs> I was like, at least you're here, buddy. I hope That's you right. focus. It's That's just, you know. People, I mean, people are so open, honest. They don't know yeah. what they should or shouldn't say to a pastor. Exactly, yeah. Or what they should or shouldn't do before a group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I'd love to hear too at Echo, how have you guys organized discipleship how do you how do you help someone it sounds like alpha is a part of kind of building that foundation helping people yeah. answer some questions but what are some of the other ways you've seen discipleship work well yeah alpha has been huge for us partly because you know we learn a lot from the uk here in the bay because the uk is ahead of us and being unchurched and de-churched in fact they're kind of pre-christian now not just post-christian yeah, yeah. We feel the same here in the Bay. Hard to learn in some ways from the church in America around the country because no other area is kind of, is like the Bay in a way, very multicultural, very unchurched. You know, uh, so we've been learning a lot from London, and the Alpha is like revolutionizing all mm. of the all of England. So um, a lot of what we've been doing is in light of what we've been learning there, and. So I'll just say this in summary, what, what I've seen there be a lot of grace right now in the church is the churches that are kind of like post-COVID, not going to, um, there's like a third style of church that's kind of arising that I see there's a real grace in. It's the ones that, 
you know, traditionally we've kind of put ourselves in a corner. Like if you think of it as a triangle where one corner is like those, the evangelistic Jesus churches, it's like the attractional old school model. Um, and that really focus on the gospel and all that. Another corner, it might be like the ones that focus on the sovereignty of God and the Bible churches and all that kind of stuff. And another corner is the Holy Spirit people, right? The charismatics. And we know we, we always tend to like put ourselves in one of these corners of like sovereignty and Bible or spirit and, you know, charisma or like Jesus and gospel and evangelism. But I've been seeing a real movement now of churches that are holding the tension right there in the middle and they realize you don't have to compromise bible to be evangelistic and you don't have to compromise spirit to focus on the lost or the bible and there's a way to do all three really well and, and it's difficult to do but that's kind of how we've been trying to embrace the future so mm. we de- prayer efforts, we deepened our uh, conversations around the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, we're focusing on the loss more than ever and holding on to the truth as much as we can in a place that's really against the Bible. And so there, I think every time we hold that tension well, I feel the grace and the wind of God behind it. And I've seen how more and more churches say the same thing around the, the world, actually, from Brazil, where I'm from, to here, to you know, the UK. So a lot of the discipleship future to me is is connected to that mindset of embracing the corners in a way that holds the proper tension uh, of what the church ought to look like moving forward. So spiritual formation now, I think, is is really holding the three tensions in one is what's going to look like the most. I think that's so, yeah, so well said. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you're leaning into prayer, uh, mm-hmm. renewal, like yeah. talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen God doing that's new among you. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll start with this. You know, we've, we've always tried to hold the tension of spirit and strategy at Echo. And you know, that our story, some like we're very strategic thinkers and always been really into that still are. But I had a really convicting moment about a year and a half ago in my front porch here in my house where we use this phrase all the time at Echo, like pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. A lot of people use that phrase. Right. And it's okay. It's a good phrase. I know the, the heart behind it is good. But I felt the spirit really convict me one one day. Um, I was in a, like trying to evaluate the future and I'm praying through it. And I felt, you know, I'm careful to say when I when I see hear God speak to me, but there are moments I feel it very clear. And yeah. I felt the Spirit say to me, I want you to stop saying that phrase. Mm. And, I, and I was just like, why? And as I wrestled with it, I, I felt an invitation that he was saying to me, I want you to, to teach your team and yourself to not only pray like it depends on me, but to work like it depends on me. That's Stop good. this mindset that like prayer is over here and work is over here. Like bring them to dep- together and and so I don't. I'm not against the phrase. Just to be clear, I just felt like for us it was an invitation to to kind of bring a different spirit to our work. And so we've always been about prayer, but I felt like this is. I felt like the Lord invited me to take a risk, and so mm-hmm. we did it last year. And the risk was more like this: um, Would you believe that if you got if you take people deeper into my presence, like when Jesus said, "Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit." Would you believe that there's just as much fruit or more 
with you taking people deeper in my presence than you just thinking more strategically. Wow. Would you believe that if you focus on formation and prayer, that there will be fruit with the lost on the other side of that, Mm. not just when you do all the strategic stuff you do. And I'm not against strategy, but I we decided to lean in next last year. So we hired a prayer director, a formation director, put it on our staff. We started to like shift all of our meetings to do differently around the table, have more prayer emphasis on Sundays. We create an environment once a month for all of our leaders to come together every first Wednesday just to learn of the Holy Spirit, to pray, to work the prayer muscle. We introduce spiritual practices to our church every single month and in every single series. Uh, so we put a lot of energy into that and I was scared because I thought, what if we become like inwardly focused and lose our reach to the loss? And so I was scared, but I felt like the Lord very clearly asked us to step into it. And it was super fruitful, Eric. We had record number of baptisms last year in our whole history, uh, Almost a thousand people gave their lives to Jesus last year. Wow. Um, you know, grew by 500 people. It, it was, to me, it was like God affirming, like, I, I I, told you there's fruit on the other side. Here it is. And so I don't yeah. know if it'll always be like that, but we took it. And <laughs> we're like, I'm, I'm glad that God blesses that, that effort. Wow. That is so encouraging. Well, it's echo.church is the website. Felipe, we're so grateful for the time with you. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.